Take your Bibles, please, this morning and turn with me to Philippians chapter number one. I want to speak to you today on the subject of the family of God. Philippians chapter one. I want to read, and you read with me, the first six verses. Then we'll come back and unpack this as far as we can. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Now, the word bishop there is just another word for pastor. And so what he's saying is for all the pastors and deacons in the area of the church of Philippi, he's saluting them. Then he says in verse 2, grace be unto you in peace. Now, I keep, every time I, I get to this a verse like this in the greeting of the Apostle Paul when he writes his letters, it, it always blesses my soul to see that of God. I'm thankful this morning that, Lord, if we've got you, we've got all we need. But, Lord, you've given us. Lord, we praise you for what you've done in our lives. And, God, we want to worship you in every aspect of this service today. Lord, I'm so thankful for the sweet spirit that's already here. We realize without you doing the work, the work will never get done. So, Holy Spirit, we give you free reign and will to do exactly what you want. Lord, we don't want to get in your way. Father, I'm just praying that you would fill me up. Pour me out and use me this morning for your honor and your glory. Lord, I never want to be a hindrance. I want to be a help today. So, Lord, help us by your power to do your work. And I'm asking, Lord, that we would be different when we leave this place than we were when we came. Change hearts and lives. And, Lord, start with mine. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and for your sake. Amen. I started something with my family just a uh, little while ago. And it's the uh, joke of the day. I always like sending them. A, and I don't do it every day, but I try to do it most days. But I try to send them a joke of the day because I want them to, be, I want them to, to know that as Christians, how many of you understand, it ought to be easy for us to smile. <laughs> we got a lot to smile about. Listen, we have been born again, blood-bought. We've got a home in heaven. And even though things ain't always right on earth, we know that God is always with us. We know that being a child of God is not about the absence of problems, because we all have problems, but it is about the addition of God's power to help us through whatever problem we face. So in the midst of even dark times and bad situations and circumstances, a child of God that's been born again, blood-bought into God's family, we can smile and smile big. Can you say amen? We should be smiling big. We should walk around in the joy of the Lord. For the joy of the Lord is our strength, and that's what Christ has promised to us. The abundant life that's found in Him. I want to be around people where life is just flowing out of them. How about you? And that's what the child of God it has been promised in the word of God. And so I want them to know that, look, you, you can smile easy and you should smile easy. So I send them a joke of that. And I'll, I'll admit that some of them are better than others. I'll concede that point right off. Let me give you just a few of them and, and let me see what you think. Uh, do, you, do you think that uh, people in Hawaii, do they laugh out loud or is it just aloha? Some of y'all going to get that on the way home. Aloha. This is my favorite. How do you make a tissue dance? Who said it? <laughs> What'd you say, buddy? He's right. You put a little boogie in it. That's how you make a tissue. That's how you make a tissue dance. I love that one. Let me give you one that I sent to him this morning, and I want to share it with you because it goes right along with my message. Um, how many of you know what John the Baptist and Winnie the Pooh have in common? 
They got the same middle name. John the Baptist and Winnie. Okay, I thought it would go better than that. But it's true. They do have the same middle name. They've got that in common. Now, let me ask you this. As far as the church at Philippi, the the scripture that we've already read this morning in the book of Philippians, as far as that church that Paul is writing to, what does a philosopher, a former fortune teller, a lady that is a traveling saleswoman, very um, successful businesswoman, and a jailer, what do all of them have in common? Well, all of them are members of the church at Philippi, every one of them. They come from different backgrounds. Hey, listen, they live different lifestyles, but all of them are a part of God's family. And the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 5, I got you to underline it, that they enjoyed fellowship in the gospel. Everybody say fellowship. Fellowship is a very powerful word, and it's used over and over and over again all throughout the New Testament when speaking about the church. The original Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia, and what koinonia actually means is they enjoy life together. So let's read it like that. For your enjoyment of life together in the furtherance of the gospel. That's really what Paul is saying. He's saying, I'm looking and remembering back now at all the times we had together and how we enjoyed life as we tried to further the gospel through the preaching, proclaiming of the gospel in our li- with our lips, yes, but also with our lives. And he said, every time I remember you, I just say, thank you, Jesus. There was deep, lasting, powerful fellowship among the church at Philippi. They are the family of God. How many of you know we are the family of God? And listen, folks, there should be fellowship among the family. Now, let me, let me make this very clear to you. Fellowship is much more. It goes a whole lot deeper than cookies and coffee. Now, don't get me wrong. Y'all know me. I like some cookies and coffee. I enjoy breaking bread with you. I like sitting down, spending time with you. And all of that is certainly a part of fellowship, but fellowship goes much deeper than that, much deeper than that. Let's just get down to the heart of the matter. Let's get down to where the rubber meets the road as far as how we fellowship and why we fellowship. As a matter of fact, why are we here this morning? Well, we are here this morning, if we're here for the right reason, we're here this morning for one person And one person alone, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. As a child of God, the Bible tells me that I have the Spirit of God living in me. I am now the temple of God himself. Christ lives in me in the person of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? And if you're a child of God, the Bible teaches you are a temple of God, the Holy Spirit, or of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in you, 1 Corinthians 3.16. So Christ is dwelling in me, and Christ is dwelling in you, and guess what? The Christ in me loves the Christ in you, and the Christ in you should love the Christ in me, and we both love Christ together because he first loved us, and we enjoy that deep, lasting, powerful fellowship that only comes by and through the family of God. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart and the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. and We've got fellowship one with another and that's a very powerful thing in God's family. And I'm so thankful to be a part of it. Let me tell you this. The greatest, most influential, most powerful organization that is actually an organism on the face of the earth is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that all the fullness of God dwells bodily in Christ. Well, what is the body of Christ? Somebody tell me. It's the church. The church is the body of Christ. And the Bible says the fullness of God dwells in His church. I want you to be very, very careful about downgrading the church. I want to give you a, a, a word of warning about speaking against the church. You better be careful. Let me tell you why. Because that's somebody's bride. The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. That means Jesus loves us as a bride. Now I know what that means because I've got a bride myself. And I love her deeply with everything in me. She's my childhood sweetheart. I've been loving her for a long time and I plan to keep on loving her for a, lo for a long time as long as God allows me to. But I want to tell you something. If you say something about my wife, that's deeply going to affect me. And we're going to have to talk about it. Right? Got to. That's going to cut me deep. And we've, then we've got to work that out. Now, if you go a step further and you lay hands on my wife, I am coming at you as hard and fast and violently as I possibly can. Why? Because I love her deeply. Now, what am I, why am I telling you this? Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because the church is Christ's bride. You better be careful about speaking against the church. You better be careful about speaking against the members of the church. Brother Kyle was talking this morning. I thank you for that, brother. He, he was talking about how we need to watch what we say, and we do. Certainly need to watch what we say. Quit talking down the church. It's a dangerous game. I'm not saying the church is perfect. It's not. It's not perfect. Listen, we are all still in the process of growth. I love what, uh, I think it was uh, Charles Wesley. He said, I'm not where I used to be. I'm certainly not, or excuse me, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not where I'm one day going to be. But praise God by His grace, I'm not where I used to be. And so what he's saying there is this is a growing process for us all. And as I grow in my faith individually and you grow in your faith individually, we come together collectively as God's church, many members in one body, and we grow together. So yeah, we got some growing room, all of us does. But be careful about running your mouth against the church. That's the bride of Christ. I'm thankful to be a part of the greatest, most influential, most powerful body, listen to me now, organization that is an organism in the world, and that's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you feel the same way, say amen. amen. Praise God for His church. We are the family of God. You are my family. My brothers and sisters in Jesus, that's how we view one another. Why do we view one another that way? Well, first and foremost, because God's word says that's what we are. But now listen, the blood of Christ has been applied to my heart and life, and the blood of Christ, if you've trusted in Jesus, has been applied to your heart and life. And listen, now we're blood kin. We have a common, a common ancestry in faith. <laughs> Both of us, all of us, who are part of God's family. And I'm so very thankful for that. There ought to be some fellowship, right? Enjoying life together in the gospel. That's what the book of Philippians 1.5 tells us. Now, if we're going to see what all of that really means, if we're going to get down deep into this, we've really got to see how the church was actually formed there at Philippi. To do that, we've got to turn to Acts chapter 16. So if you will, please, 
Turn with me over to Acts 16. Keep a bookmark there in Philippians chapter 1. We'll get back to it in just a moment. But in Acts 16, the Bible tells us how the church at Philippi came to be. Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start there in verse, um, I think it's verse number 6. Let's look together. The first thing that I want you to see, and I've got three points for you this morning. I want to share with you the, the supernatural formation of the church. Then I want you to see the sweet fellowship of the church. And then I want you to see the sure future of the church. So what do I mean when I say the supernatural formation of the church? We'll look at Acts chapter 16, starting in verse number 6. The Bible is giving us the account of when the Apostle Paul was on the missionary journey going all over the world, speaking the gospel, planting churches, doing the work that God had called him to do. And in Acts 16, 6, it says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. The Bible says that Paul was going going around planting these churches and preaching the gospel, and he had a plan to go into Asia, but God said no. God said, no, don't go to Asia. That ain't, that ain't the way I want you to go. <laughs> Amen? Now, why should Paul listen to what God the Holy Spirit is saying? Because how many of you know it's not Paul who builds the church? There's conferences and small group. Uh, studies that's out right now and you can get them everywhere and go everywhere and, and be a part of them that talk about how to build a church. Let me tell you something. I've got no interest in building a church. Let me tell you why I've got no interest in building a church. Because I can't do it anyway. And the church that I build, nobody would want to be a part of. Amen? The Bible says it's not up to me to build the church. and It's not up to you to build the church. Do you know that? Jesus said to Peter, if you remember, uh, over in the book of Matthew, he said, Peter, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So God never called me to build a church. It's not my church I'm building, it's his church. Listen, it's his church that he builds, and he does it the way he wants to do it. Now, why do I tell you that? That don't mean we don't, we, that, that we don't get to be a part of the process by, the pri, because, for, for, by great privilege and, and, listen, by the power of God, the Lord allows us to be a part of what He's doing, and I'm so very thankful for that. And God calls us and gifts us with different giftings and abilities inside His body to grow the church, no doubt about that, but it's Jesus who builds it. It's Jesus who saves souls. It's Jesus who breaks addictions. It's Jesus who heals families. It's Jesus who causes us to grow in our faith. It's all by His power. And so what we've got to do, what we must do, is be desperate for God the Holy Spirit to be at work in the hearts and lives of people. We need to be humble and ready and willing to hear from the Lord and be obedient to what He says. We need to be praying daily. That God convicts hearts and changes lives and brings people unto himself. And if we get to be a part of that, fantastic. But it's Jesus who does the work. It's not up to us to build it, it's up to him to build it. And so when the Holy Spirit restrains Paul from going into Asia, Paul listened. Paul realized it wasn't his church. He couldn't make the difference. Only Jesus can make the difference. So when Jesus told him to go somewhere else, he went. Folks, listen to me. Let's rest in and rely upon the power of God to change people's hearts and lives. 
I was talking to Pastor Jose, the pastor that we're going to meet in Costa Rica in just about another week now. We're, we're leaving Friday for that mission trip, and I ask you to truly be praying for that. And we were talking about, you know, what we're going to do when we got there. And, and, and me and him were both on the same page that it's up to Jesus to save people. I learned a long time ago, you can't kick down people's doors and tell them about Jesus. That don't work. I, I have no interest in talking somebody into becoming a child of God. Let me tell you what I'm interested in, sharing good seed. That's what I want to do. I want to share the seed of the gospel. I want to tell people who Jesus is. I want to let people know who they are according to the truth of the word of God. I want them to see what Christ has done for them, how God has made a way for them to be saved. And I want to give them the opportunity, if they will, to trust in Christ. But as far as me trying to talk somebody into it, that's not my job. And if I talk them into it, somebody else can talk them out of it. It's about God doing the work in a person's life to bring them to the saving knowledge of Christ. I've, I've come to find out that preaching in your own power is like pouring water on a rock. Just bounces right off. What has to happen is for the people's hearts to be opened. Jesus builds his church. If you believe it, say amen. There was some restraint of the Holy Spirit here in the supernatural formation of the church. And remember now, it's a supernatural formation. It's something that only God can do. It's supernatural, not natural. And if you were at VBS this past weekend, you learned what a miracle really is. A miracle is when he who is supernatural invades the physical to do for natural man what man can't do for themselves. And that's what Jesus does when he forms and builds his church. Can you say amen to that? The church is actually a miracle. It's bringing dead people to life. It's changing lives and breaking generational curses and it's healing families and it's doing the things that only God can do by God's power. Supernatural. Not natural. Now, I'm glad we get to be a part of it, but it's he who does the work if it's going to get done right. So first of all, you need to see the restraint of the Spirit. God said, don't go here, but go to Macedonia. I, one of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 37 and 23. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Look what the Bible teaches here. And this is a great promise straight from the Word of God. It says that the, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now, when it uses the word man there, it's a, a generic term, and actually just means mankind. So it's talking about every man, woman, boy, and girl who have placed their faith in Christ. And listen, the righteousness of Christ has been applied to their heart and life. That's the only goodness we have. Can you say amen? So, so he says the steps of the righteous, the good man, woman, boy, girl, who's trusted in the Lord by faith, they, their steps are ordered by God himself. Some of you right now are worried about your future. You're concerned about what is going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. You're wondering if you're going to be in the right place at the right time for the right purpose, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to seek after the Lord. You need to continually ask God to reveal to you what He wants for your life. 
And those who have been blood-bought and born again, who are continually seeking God's will and being obedient to what He says, I can promise you, you cannot miss miss out on God's best for your life. God orders your steps when you give Him the reins. He'll lead the way. He'll guide you. He'll show you exactly what you need to do when you need to do it. And he'll do it in a way that you can't question. But you've got to seek him. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But let me tell you something else. The stops of a good man are ordered by the Lord too. Sometimes God says go. But right here in Acts 16 verses 6 and 7 he says stay. Don't go there. Go somewhere else. I think a lot of times what we do we get ahead of God. Right? We run and do our own thing and then want God to bless it. When what we should do is pray and ask for God's will and then trust in His blessing when we are obedient. Amen? And that's what Paul did. He listened to the Lord. God said, don't go to Macedonia. But then he says, look on down, verse verse number 8. And they passing by Amasia came down to Troas, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Not only want you to see the restraint of the Spirit and the supernatural formation of the church, but you need to see the release of the Spirit. God said, Don't go to Asia, but go down to Macedonia. And he did it through a vision. God released him to go where God had planned for the church to be planted. Now look down, if you will, in verse number 12. Verse number 12, the Bible says this, And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of the part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in the city abiding certain days. So Paul was released by the Spirit to go to the place God wanted him to go, to be there in Philippi for this great work to be done. Now let me say something to you. Paul had planned to go to Asia. And I want to tell you something, Paul was a good-hearted man. Paul was in the will of God. Paul was doing everything he could to follow the will of God. He just had plans that differed to what God's plans were. Now, Paul could have got upset that God didn't give him the trip to Asia. Couldn't he? He could have got down to mouth and discouraged and said, Lord, I thought I just missed you and I'm just not doing a good job. And man, I don't even know why I'm even trying. And, and I'm not getting to go to Asia. And I've always planned to go to Asia. And I've always wanted to go to Asia. But he didn't do that. He just listened to God and went to Philippi because Paul realized something that we need to realize. Hear me right here. It's going to free somebody up. If God doesn't give you what you want, he'll give you better than what you want. Somebody ever said amen right there. If God doesn't get you, give you what you want, what you've prayed for, he'll give you better than what you want, what you've prayed for. God is so good, so loving, so merciful, so kind, so sovereign that he gives you what you would want if you had sense enough to want it. (laughs) Right? Because a lot of times we don't have sense enough to know what we want. We think we want something. We think we want this certain thing, but we don't know what the future holds, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. We just have no idea because we don't have all knowledge. God who knows all things knows exactly what we need, and because he loves us with an unconditional everlasting love, he's always going to do what's best for us, what's best for now, and what's best for later. So if God don't give you what you want, what you prayed for, he'll give you better than what you want. You get it? Trust that. And be spirit-led. And let God do the work. 
the release of the Spirit, but I also want you to see the results of the Spirit in the supernatural formation of the church. It's all about the Spirit. It's all about God doing the work here. Watch what else happens. Look, Acts chapter 16. Look there in the next verse, brother. What is it? Um, verse number 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went out by a city by, to a city by, we went out of the city, excuse me, by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made and we sat down and spake unto the women who were, were resorting there. Then in verse 14, and a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended the things which were spoken of by Paul. So what are the results of the Spirit? After God had led them to Philippi, when they got there, Lydia got saved. Lydia was a traveling saleswoman from Thyatira who had a home in Philippi, and when she was there praying for God to reveal himself, amen, isn't it good to know that uh, people prayed and God listened and sent them somebody to give them the gospel and start a church? I'm telling you, when you want what God has for you, he'll give it. But you've got to want it. You've got to desire it. You need to pray for it. Let, let me ask you, those who's going on this mission trip this week, do you want to see God move? You want to see God work? You want to see souls saved? You want to go down there and encourage the church? You want to have good fellowship with the brethren? You want all that good things to happen in this trip? Well, pray for it. Trust God to give it. Ask God to do the work that only He can do. Bathe it in prayer before we get there. Amen. And when you do that, watch. Look right there in the middle of verse 14. Lydia from Thyatira, the traveling saleswoman, whose heart the Lord opened. Like I said, preaching in your own power is like pouring water on a rock. This bounces right off. But when God starts dealing with a person's heart, when God the Holy Spirit starts opening that heart up to the message of the gospel, that's when lives can be changed. It's a supernatural work adding to the church, building the church. Amen? Now, not only did Lydia get saved there in verse number 14, the Bible says she was saved in all her house. Then, If you will, look down into verse number uh, 16. Watch this. Acts 16, 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination. Now, the damsel just means a young lady who had the spirit of fortune-telling, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Now, really what she was doing was being pimped out as a fortune teller, not as a prostitute, but she had these men who were in control of her, and she brought back all of her gains that she was getting in fortune telling to these men. And look what happens, verse number 17. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said in the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. So I want you to get the picture. This woman is following Paul daily and speaking this thing. Now what she's saying is right. She said, These are the men of the Most High God, and they've got the words of salvation. Is anything wrong with what she said? So why did Paul rebuke her? Why did Paul cast out the demonic spirit? I'll tell you why. Because he didn't want to be associated with that which was demonic. He didn't want to be associated and his ministry associated with that which was from the occult. With that which was evil. And through the leading of the Holy Spirit and by his power, God turned, or Paul turned around and said uh, to cast out the demon. He was cast out that very hour. And this lady got saved. 
and became a part of the church at Philippi. The results of the Spirit. God doing the work. Amen? Only God can do these things. So what do we need to be doing? God, please do these things. <laughs> Lord, I want to be a part of it. I want you to use me and however you can use me. But please do these things. Please save my family. Please save my friends. God, help me to share the gospel by your power. And you open their hearts. Amen? God builds his church supernaturally, not naturally. And he does it by the work of the Spirit. You need to see the restraint of the Spirit. You need to see also the release of the Spirit. But you've got to see the result. And the result so far is the Lydia from Thyatira was saved. This young lady that was a, a former fortune teller got saved and became a member of the church. And then thirdly, you see the jailer getting saved. Let's go on down a little bit further. Acts chapter number 16. Let's look down at verse number uh, 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, I skipped over a little bit. I'm not going to go all the way back into it, but you need to go back and see a little bit later that they were in prison because when they cast out the demonic spirit from the fortune teller, it caused her masters, the Bible said, much gain. They weren't getting all their money that they were getting. They got mad about it. They incited a riot against the apostle Paul and Silas, and they threw them in prison. Now, at midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing and uh, praises unto the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Now, let's go on. He says in verse 26, And suddenly there was an earthquake, and the foundation of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. So he thought, they're about to kill me, and before they kill me, they're going to torture me because I've let all these prisoners out, and I was charged to keep them in here. And so he's like, I'm just going to kill myself. And then Paul springs in. Look what the Bible says. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. Can you say amen? So a jailer gets saved. Now what does a jailer and a former fortune teller and a traveling saleswoman all have in common? And a man by the name of the Apostle Paul who was a triple PhD. And he was. This brother right here had more schooling than just about anybody you've ever heard of. He was a Hebrew of the highest order. Had sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the finest teacher in Jerusalem, for most of his adult life, and he was a Pharisee. What did they all have in common? All of them had in common the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we have in common? We look different. We're from different places. We do different work. Some are younger, some are older. But all of us have Him in common. Jesus is the common denominator in the church. Christianity is Christ. Amen. What we do, we do for Him. We love Him because He first loved us. The fellowship of this church is an amazing thing. You need to see the supernatural 
formation of the church, but you've got to see the sweet fellowship of the church. So let's go back to Philippians chapter 1, just a moment. Philippians 1, 5. Watch. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, they're doing life together in the proclaiming and preaching of the gospel with their lives and lips. That's what they're doing. Now, let me tell you, let me give you three ways you can experience sweet fellowship like the church at Philippi. Number one, you can experience through the sweet fellowship of service. Service, when you serve together. There's nothing like children of God coming together to show the love of Christ to others. There's nothing like that, I can promise you. One thing that I absolutely love is having, uh, you know, when our men get together and we do work for someone else because you bond with those brothers in Christ in that time as you serve together like no other time. Let me tell you another good way. If you really want to bond with somebody uh, in the family of God and have that sweet fellowship together that goes much, much much deeper than just cookies and coffee, go out and go to soul winning with that person. Go out and go witnessing. One thing that I absolutely love about being on the mission field, not just in Costa Rica and not just in Cuba and not just in Haiti and not just in Macon, Georgia or all these other places we go, but every time I get to share with my brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever I am about how good Jesus is, is not only do I get to be a part of what God's doing in a lost person's life, but I get to enjoy fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Just this last weekend, we had some fantastic services up at the youth camp and um i, I kind of thought of this verse from philippians really where i got this message me and brother scotty was sitting there friday night before it all started and there was it was almost the spirit of god was so strong there at one point you, you just sensed it I, I, there was just like a is this so good a little bit of heaven on earth is what it was and before the service, I looked over at Scott and I said, man, we've had some good services right here. He said, yes, we have. And he said, I think we're going to have a good one tonight. And we did. And I thought back all those remembrances of enjoying life and proclaiming and preaching the gospel with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And when you join together in that type of service, that sweet fellowship that you can't get nowhere else because you're making a real difference. A difference for eternity. Amen? And that's what really matters. When we first went to Haiti, years ago, we went on two mission, mission trips to Haiti. And the first trip we went on, we met a man by the name of Charlie. Charlie since went on to be with the Lord. Charlie's the biggest dude I've ever seen in my life. He was a 6'8 Haitian. Huge guy. The dude's hands had to be that long. I mean, I would, you'd shake his hands, and, and my hand just be like a baby's hand in his. Deep voice, you know, and when, when we were going into Gitan, Haiti, which is the, the, the uh, center of uh, voodoo, voodoo worship in Haiti, Gitan, Haiti, where they planted this church down there, and um, all of Haiti has a problem with voodoo, but especially in the Gitan region, and that's where they, the church was at, and, and Charlie, um, he was uh, really a translator slash bodyguard for the compound that was there, you know. Because a lot of the people that were there would kidnap Americans and hold them for ransom. And Charlie kept that from happening. <laughs> and he was good at his job. 
Matter of fact, the first day we first night we got there, we flew in at about 7:30, so we had an hour drive from Port au Prince, Haiti, from the airport to Gitan, and it got dark on the way. And so we got into Gitan, and there was people everywhere. I, when I mean everywhere, there aren't really no traffic laws in Haiti. I mean, jaywalking's not a thing there. I mean, it, there's just people all flooded the streets. Well, when our bus was coming through. Of course, it had the SMI Haiti and all the, the uh, letters on the side of, of what, who we were and what we were going to do. And they knew that it was a mission group coming from the States. And, and I don't know what was happening there that night. I'm, I'm really probably glad that I don't know now because the whole bus was surrounded by people, all of it. And they stopped us in the middle of an intersection. Of course, they're, sprinkling, they're speaking in um, Haitian French. And so I can't understand a word they're saying. And, and Charlie is sitting behind the driver, all right? And he just gets up, walks over to the door. It's like an old school bus. Opens this school bus door, sticks his head out, and just looks. And all of a sudden, it's just like Moses parting the water. Those people just. And I was like, Charlie is the dude I want to hang out with, you know. <laughs> Everybody just moved out of the way. I was like, wow, you know, this guy, this guy holds some clout in Haiti. There's no doubt about it. So we get there, man, and all throughout the week, me and Brandy actually stayed with Charlie pretty much every day, going door to door, witnessing all these different communities. And um, while we were there, you know, I think he was preaching a whole lot better than I was. I mean, I would, I would preach in English, then he'd preach in Haitian, you know. And that brother was doing some preaching, I'm telling you. And boy, there was great fellowship that me and him had as brothers in Christ sharing the gospel that day. It was a powerful thing. You know, because I got to thinking, here this man is, he's from Haiti, I'm from America. He's black as an ace of spades, and I'm white as a piece of cotton. We're from two completely different backgrounds on different sides of the world. But the one thing we have in common is the truth of Jesus. When we left, the last thing I ever heard Charlie say, <laughs> he again, I grabbed that big hand, he pulled me in, just hugged me up, you know, and said, keep preaching the gospel, brother. And I thought, man, I've got a brother in Gitan, Haiti that don't look nothing like me, but he's in Christ Christ is in him and I'm in Christ and Christ is in me and the Christ in me loves the Christ in him and the Christ in him loves the Christ in me and we're going to keep serving Jesus and preaching this gospel because he first loved us. That's fellowship. When you serve together like that, you create bonds of fellowship that mean something. Fellowship of service but also fellowship in the spirit. Look at Philippians 2 and 1. Watch this. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1. For it is good, or excuse me, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that you be like mine, having the same love, being of the same accord, watch this now, of one mind. Now watch what it says in, in the next verse. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem the other better than themselves. Now, what, what's he talking about? He's talking about a spirit of unity. Amen? 
Spirit of unity. Let, let, let me tell you what I mean by fellowship in the Spirit. First of all, when two children of God are seeking Jesus, you can't help but fellowship with one another. You know why worship is so powerful when we come in here on a Sunday morning and we worship together? Because you've got believers all over the house singing for one purpose, to honor and glorify the Lord. And as we sing together, we sing as one. Amen? And we fellowship in the Spirit. It's a powerful thing. Fellowship of the Spirit, fellowship in serving. Let me give you one more, fellowship in suffering. And this comes from Philippians chapter number 3. The Apostle Paul says something here. Philippians uh, chapter 3, and look with me there in verse number 10. Philippians 3 and verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Do you know when you are with someone, there for someone, in their time of suffering, that is fellowship that means something. That is fellowship that bonds people together. When you love them enough to pray for them and to listen to them and to be a shoulder to cry on and to help them in their time of need, there's a fellowship of suffering that we enjoy as God's people. We need to see the supernatural formation of the church, the sweet fellowship of the church, but you've also got to see the sure future of the church. Philippians 1.6, watch what it says. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it on the day of Jesus Christ. Are we where we need to be? Are we? No. We still got some empty spots. Not many this morning. Praise God for that. But we still got some empty spots. We're not where we need to be. We still are not loving perfectly and walking in unity perfectly, and we still are not uh, walking the joy of the Lord maybe like we should all the time. So we still got some growing room. We've still got some things that need to be taken away in our lives and some things that need to be added to our lives, and we need to stop some things and start some things, and we're still growing. So we're not where we need to be. We're not where we're going to be because one day the Lord is going to, there's going to be a culmination for the people of God when we enter into our glorified body. Can you say amen? And we'll be just as Jesus is. That's going to happen in heaven. So we're not where we're going to be and we're not yet where we need to be here. But praise God, we're not where we used to be either, are we? And we're moving forward and we're doing what we can to keep looking unto Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun the good work in us will perform it in the day of Jesus Christ. So we know there is a sure future for God's church. Can you say amen to that? Brothers and sisters, we are the family of God. Supernaturally formed. We enjoy the sweet fellowship that comes as God's people. And we're looking forward to our sure future that God has promised. Everybody stand together. Now, if you're here today and you've not yet been born again, why not? Believe me, you'll never regret trusting in Jesus. You'll never regret allowing God to have complete control of your life. And that's what it really means to be born again. It's not just trusting Him to save you and forgive you of your sins and get you to heaven. That's part of it. But when you make the commitment to follow Christ, you're saying, I'm no longer Lord of my life. Now Jesus is Lord of my life. 
It's no longer about what I want. It's about what he wants. You're making the decision to allow him to lead God and direct you. That's what truly being a follower of Christ is all about. So if you've not yet done that, why not let today be that day? Why don't you join the most important, influential, powerful organization that's actually an organism, which is the body of Christ. Join that today. It's eternal. Jesus said the gates of hell will not even prevail against it. Jesus said forever and forever and forever and forever and forever throughout all eternity will always be understanding more about the riches of His grace. Think about that. Well, God's grace is pretty good now. What else has He got to show me? Are you getting me? That's what you have to look forward to in the body of Christ. You join a family. Why not do it today? Why not trust the Lord today? If you're here and you've already trusted in Jesus, but you just want to come and pray for whatever's going on in your life. He's here to listen. And he's able to answer. I want to pray for you. We'll have a song of invitation. Lord, do your work. We pray that you would have your way and will. And maybe hearts and lives today will be submissive to what you want. You add to your church. You build your church. And today I'm praying that you open hearts to hear your truth, to receive your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.